The Wedding by On My Literature Bullshit Again Chapters 1 to 4 Part 3 of the Midwest by Disaster Zuka series Read by Mellow Zuko Deer from AO3 Rating, teen enough audiences Archive warning, no archive warnings apply Categories, F slash M, M slash M Fandom, Avatar The Last Airbender Relationships, Sokka slash Zuko, Sokka and Zuko, Ang slash Katara Characters, Sokka, Zuko, Katara, Ang, Toph Beifong, other characters referenced Additional tags, Zuko Freeform, Zuko dropped into the Midwest Fake slash pretend relationship. There was only one bed. Weddings, friendship, friends to lovers, dealing with homophobia, dealing with bi erasure, bisexual soccer, bisexual Zuko. Alternate universe, modern setting, flirting, mutual pining, first kiss. They're both bi disasters, but at least they have each other. Adult characters, aged up characters, not beta red. Humor, Family drama, implied slash referenced homophobia, implied slash referenced child abuse, nothing graphic, but it's still Zuko with a scar on his face, so. Getting together, slow burn, light angst, based on miscommunication, happy ending, it just takes them a while. Midwest by Disaster Zuko. Summary. Sokka's managed to drag Zuko as his fake boyfriend to his sister's wedding, but now they have to navigate awkward family, small-town drama, and the way they feel about each other. Cue one pair of constantly bickering, surprisingly supportive, and secretly pining bisexual disasters. Sequel to The Road Trip and The Downstairs Neighbor, but can probably be read as a standalone as well. The get-together fic of Midwest by Disaster Zuko. Chapter 1 Can you just check it again, please? Sir, the front desk worker said tiredly, I've already checked twice, and that is definitely the last room in the Ang and Katara wedding block of rooms. It's fine, soccer, Zuko said from just behind him. It probably makes more sense anyway if we're supposed to be dating, that we'd have a room with one bed. Yeah, but... I'll sleep on the floor or the couch or something, Zuko said. It's fine. Sokka frowned, but finally accepted the keys for the single king room, unhappily pushing his card across the counter. Sure, Zuko is probably right for appearance's sake, but come on. Really? They were in fucking waterfront. How busy could it really be? And Sokka was a gentleman, so he'd be the one on the floor. What's some back pain for the sake of propriety and avoiding awkward sexual tension? Sokka signed the receipt, and they hauled their duffel bags and formal clothes up to the room. The hotel itself was a basic Super 8 that probably hadn't been updated since the 90s, but it was inexpensive and unintimidating in only the way a Super 8 could be. Sokka swiped the card for the room when they got there, and shoved the door open, tugging his duffel bag through as it got caught a bit on the frame. Zuko huffed something that might have been a laugh behind him, and Sokka ignored him. 
The room itself was old and small, and had a very faint but lingering smell of smoke, and an air freshener, clearly meant to cover the smoke smell. It was just as bland and inoffensive as any other hotel room. Beige walls, paintings of flowers, bland furniture. And both Soccer and Zuko tossed their bags down on the maroon and pink floral comforter of the single bed, and then exchanged a look. What time's the rehearsal? Zuko asked, pulling his phone out of his pocket. We've got about an hour and a half till it starts, Sokka replied, rubbing some hair out of his eyes that had come loose during the drive. Oh, but... He looked over at him in surprise. You totally don't have to come to the rehearsal tonight. It's just going to be practising walking, and standing in lines, and then eating potluck food. Can stay here if you want. <laughs> what? Alone? Zuko asked, almost sounding offended. I'm trying to protect you for as long as possible, Sokka replied, trying for a joke, but landing a little too close to truthful. Zuko raised an eyebrow. Sure, but what's going to be less awkward? Your family meeting me tonight, or literally at the wedding, he asked. Especially because I'm assuming you're in the wedding? So tomorrow I'll just be that weird stranger that no one knows, so... Yeah, okay, I get it, Sokka said, and allowed himself a groan. Damn, can we just skip it? Zuko laughed. It's your sister, and we just drove five hours, so don't go dipping out on me now, buddy. Sokka rolled his eyes, but unzipped his bag and dug for the dress clothes he'd packed, hoping everything hadn't got too wrinkly on the drive. I'm taking a shower, Zuko said, grabbing his bag again and retreating to the little side bathroom. Once he'd disappeared with a click and the thump of a bag being tossed on the floor, Sokka tossed himself heavily onto the bed and pulled out his phone. He shot Katara a text to let her know they'd gotten to Waterfront and would be there for the rehearsal, and then let his head thump backwards into the lumpy pillow. Before he could even drop his phone on his face and wish again that he'd stayed home, Katara had texted back. So you convinced Hot Neighbour to come be your fake boyfriend? Grinning face. Sokka laughed at the use of the nickname although a small part of himself was acutely aware of the running shower and the implication of Hot Neighbour being naked, just the door away. But Sokka wasn't entertaining that idea, oh no, because that way led to madness and unresolved pining, which Sokka wasn't shopping for today, thank you. So instead, he texted back. Yeah, somehow he agreed to come deal with my drama. He might be insane. Oh god. Or he has a death wish. Why did I do this? What was I thinking? I think it's what our childhood therapist used to call attention-seeking behaviour. Haha, <laughs> so glad I came all this way for you. Love you, big brother. It'll be fine. Everyone will be excited to see you and your date. Except I bought a guy. Why'd I bring a guy? Attention-seeking behaviour. I will drive home, right now. Don't test me. Rolling eyes. You're being dramatic again. It is my god-given right as a bisexual to be dramatic. But really, I'm not taking away from your big day, am I? 
because I don't want to do that and I'm so sorry if I really am making unnecessary drama and messing up your wedding. Sokka noted distantly the sound of the shower shutting off again, recognising that maybe he should be dragging himself off the bed and getting dressed, and trying to look marginally presentable. But then his phone buzzed with Katara's response. Not at all, weirdo. I want you to be happy, and I want the dumbasses in this town to accept you for who you are. So if this makes you feel better about our family, then I support you. You do know I support you, right? Me and Aang and all our old friends? Of course I do. Smiling face with smiling eyes. You guys are all the best. It's just our family and the rest of this town I worry about. But I really am excited for the wedding, I promise. You better be. It's going to be romantic and fun and amazing. Smiling face with hearts. I'd expect nothing less from you. And that was true, because it was Katara, who simultaneously kicked every else needed to dominate as a surgeon while remaining a Disney princess at heart. She could hold her own against white-haired sexist assholes with a scalpel in hand like she chopped the guy's balls off, and then the next hour go and cuddle a sick child and sing them songs until they stop crying. It was frankly surprising that little birds didn't help her dress in the morning, and misogynists didn't cower in fear when she walked by. Well, Maybe they did, and Sokka had just been gone too long to have seen it happen. It wouldn't surprise him. She'd been the first to know that Sokka wasn't straight. Maybe some of it was innate sibling stuff, but mostly it was because she'd been the one to find him on that shitty day in high school when the football quarterback caught him kissing another boy and proceeded to almost break his nose. Sokka had been hiding by a dumpster, unapologetically, because he was 15 and high school is terrible, and the boy he'd been kissing had instantly said it was all a joke and joined in on the mocking. Somehow, that had hurt worse than the actual bleeding nose, and Sokka had resolved to just hide until everyone forgot he existed. Then Katara had found him, because of course she had. When she asked, he told her the truth, because there wasn't any other way to explain why he was dirty and bloody and next to a dumpster that smelled like yesterday's chilli, and he didn't understand why he was like this. Boys, men, weren't like this. They liked women, and only women. They didn't get weird gooey feelings about boys, and they didn't kiss the boys they got gooey feelings for, and they didn't then get beat up and mocked for those feelings. Something was wrong with him, but he didn't know what it was, and he didn't know how to get rid of it, even though he tried, and now his life was over. Then he'd started crying so hard it felt like his ribs were snapping inwards, and he hid his face back in his arms. Katara, who was the perfect golden child, could have left right then. She could have told him to man up, or to just suppress those parts of himself to get over it and come back inside. Plenty of other people would have. Instead, she'd sat next to him and the disgusting chilly dumpster, and she'd wrapped her arms around his shoulders and squeezed. She told him he was okay, and that nothing was wrong with him, and that she loved him, and that she'd happily murder anyone who made him feel bad about this, and she'd make it look like an accident. He'd laughed wetly at that, and finally looked up at her. They had the same blue eyes, but he'd never quite seen this look in hers before. Ha! <laughs> you couldn't murder anyone. 
he muttered, rubbing his eyes and trying to smile. He can't even kill spiders when they get inside. Yeah, but the spiders didn't do anything, Katara said, tugging her chin against his shoulder. And that arsehole did. Sokka gasped. Did my baby sister just say arsehole? She did actually look embarrassed and ducked her head. But he kept a hold on her arm still, around his shoulders, and didn't let her go. Thank you, he muttered. You're my big bro, she said. Like that explained anything. And maybe it did. So really, if anyone was going to drag him back to this stupid town its stupid people, it would be Katara. Really, he'd have gone far further for her if she'd asked. Egged her dick boss's car, waved a rainbow flag at an alt-right rally, walked barefoot through hell, whatever. But all she'd asked was for him to be here, and be a groomsman for Aang, and try to tolerate their family and their small town for a little while. So, damn it, he would. He got up, and tossed his phone back on the bed, quickly pulling off his rumple-drying clothes and pulling on a nicer pair of jeans and a button-up shirt. He had the first two buttons from the bottom done, when the door to the bathroom opened and Zuko emerged. Sokka looked up, and froze. Well, shit, he said, before he could stop himself. What? Zuko said, looking down at himself. Is it bad? It was, decidedly, not bad. Sokka was no longer looking at the Zuko who huffed at him and glared and sometimes threw things up at his balcony. The empty hoodie was nowhere in sight. No cat hair to be seen, the floppy, sweaty hair clean and soft. But Sokka had gotten so accustomed to a Zuko who existed entirely in sweatpants, basketball shorts and cut-offs, that facing a new Zuko was blindsiding. This Zuko was in fitted black dress pants and a red button-up shirt that hugged the lean muscles of his torso. His hair still damp and tousled from the shower, the gold-brown tone of his eyes somehow looking even more vivid in this light. Calling him Hot Neighbour before might have been premature. Oh fuck, Sokka's brain had stalled completely. Just dead, on the highway. Just error message style tone sound. Just... Absolute tapioca. Like, God damn, dude, Sokka said, trying for something eloquent and missing once again. Um, I'm hoping those are good expletives, Zuko ventured, now looking close to laughing at him, although the tops of his cheekbones had gone a bit pink. Had his skin always looked that smooth? Had his cheekbones and jaw always been that well-defined? Somehow even the scar on the left side of his face just worked with the overall appearance, the total picture shoving Zuko firmly over the line from handsome, well-dressed man into intimidatingly attractive, oh fuck Sokka, what do we do? Sokka opened his mouth and then shut it again. Sure he looked like a fish thrown up on the shore. Why the... Fuck, do you ever wear that sweatshirt and mismatched flip-flop combo when you could look like this? He finally demanded. Which, damn it, 
wasn't the first thing he'd meant to say, but here they were. Sokka jabbed an open hand at him and then swept it around for even greater emphasis. What, just in my apartment? Zuko replied with a bark of laughter. Yes, anywhere, anytime, burn the flip-flops, Sokka all but shouted. Can you forget the flip-flops? I will never forget the flip-flops. Well, why don't you dress up more when you just lounge around? Zuko said, giving him a similar jabbing and sweeping hand gesture. Sokka finally realised he was still half-dressed, and wondered if he'd imagined the way Zuko's eyes had flashed down to his chest and lingered there a moment before sweeping back up. Sokka knew he was a good-looking guy, maybe a little scrappy around the edges for some people, but at least he felt good about himself, typically. But still, Azuko looking like that certainly couldn't be paying attention to him. So Sokka chose to ignore it, and started on the next button of his shirt, still shaking his head. I might dress like that while lounging around if I actually looked like you do, he said, returning to the argument and tugging on the sides of his shirt before looking up again. Like some, some guy who actually goes to the gym and drinks water or something? That is basically the lowest possible standard for being a functioning human being, Zuko said, chuckling. So, thanks, I guess? Sokka shut his eyes, ran his hands through his hair, and took a breath. What I meant to say, he said finally, at a regular human volume, is that you look really good. He shot him a finger gun. Excellent fake boyfriend material. Zuko smiled. You look good too, he replied, licking briefly at his lower lip, which Sokka was decidedly not thinking about. You ready to go? Chapter 2 Summary Small Town Encounters and the Beginnings of a Wedding Rehearsal So, that stretch we just drove from the Campbells to the post office was the loop, Sokka explained, which we would just drive around with our windows down, yelling out at other people driving the loop, because there was nothing else to do. Uh, Zuko began. Oh, and in front of that eye doctor is where my friends and I would put fruit pies in the street and watch for people to run them over. What? And there's the high school where I first got beat up for liking boys. Oh, and the shed by the football field is the first place I ever made out with a girl. Um, what else? Oh yeah, that's the dollar store parking lot, where we'd hang out if there were already weird older kids in the pizza ranch one. Okay, what? Zuko asked, waving a hand to stop him. But Sokka didn't, because he was panic babbling, and he'd lost all control. If you turn down this next road and go past the house with all the plastic chickens in the yard, there's a park by the river that we'd go camping at in summer, sometimes as an excuse to drink beer and having a campfire, but then my friend Toph almost set our tent on fire one time so we had to stop. But she's blind, so you can't really... Zuko reached out and lay a hand on Sokka's thigh, squeezing for a moment. And that surprising contact was enough to finally make Sokka's mouth shut. He looked aside at Zuko, who was still driving, but hadn't removed his hand. Okay, Zuko said, in his calm yet serious EMT voice. I'm gonna need you to take a slow deep breath for me. 
he moved his hand, so he could gesture to his own torso as he demonstrated. Breathe in. Hold. Breathe out. Soccer followed his directions, and did feel just a little less like there was a deranged hamster sprinting on a wheel in his chest. Great, Zuko said, pulling into the Casey's, because holy shit, dude. Is that how you talk to all your patients? Soccer grunted. Well, you're not my patient, are you? Zuko said, stopping the car and shutting it off. You're my neighbour, slash fake boyfriend. Sokka looked over at him, surprised by the bit of grin on his face, and he forced himself to return it. Now, we're going to get gas, Zuko said, controlled voice returning, and you are going to go in there and get water. At Sokka's beginning protest, Zuko shot him a look and a sharp jab with his finger. Water, he repeated. Not sugar, not caffeine. Water. Do you hear me? Sokka let out a long sigh. Fine, he said. And then what? Take two aspirin and call you in the morning? Zuko let out a huff of laugh and turned off the car. Actually, grab me a coffee while you're in there, because you're making me tired. Double standards, Sokka grumbled, undoing his seatbelt, but did slide out of the car and head inside. The Casey's was thankfully empty of people except the cashier, which made it easy to grab a bottle of water and fill up one of the paper cups with black coffee. Sokka considered dumping a whole bunch of ultra-sweet creamer in it just to be petty, but decided against it and headed to the counter. The cashier was chewing on a toothpick and staring at his phone, and it took him a few seconds to register that Sokka was even there waiting. Which was fine, because Sokka was focused on resisting the call of the 99-cent fountain drink advertisement stuck to the counter. Sokka, right? The cashier said suddenly. Damn, I haven't seen you since high school. Sokka finally looked at him more closely, recognition dawning. Oh, yeah, uh, hey, Jet, he replied, confused, but actually a little relieved his first townie encounter was this one. The guy had always been that weirdo who got really into anarchy and putting safety pins on his clothes. But at least when rumours started going around about soccer liking guys, he hadn't joined in the spreading or the mocking. He was two years older and could have, since plenty of the arsehole behaviour was coming from the graduated class. Instead, at one point in the hallway, he just thumped Soccer on the shoulder and said, Live your truth, man. Fuck society. And then proceeded to ignore Soccer like he'd been doing previously. So for Perder and a guy who may or may not have tried to light the courthouse on fire at one point, pretty solid interaction. Oh, right, right, it's your sister's wedding this weekend, isn't it? Jet said as he scanned the water bottle. Community centre, right? I'll have to swing by during the dance and say, hey. Right. Because that was a thing that happened in small towns. People just popping into the receptions at weddings if they knew the people at all. And it wasn't like people wouldn't know Katara, or the one large Inuit family in Perda. But god, who other than Jet would know the wedding was this weekend, and just wander in off the street. He hadn't planned for this. 
there were too many factors he hadn't prepared for. Sure, yeah, Sokka said, pulling out some cash and shoving it Jet's way. So maybe I'll see you tomorrow or something. Jet passed him the receipt and smiled around the toothpick, and Sokka took that moment to give one more awkward nod and head back outside. Zuko was leaning against the side of the car on his phone, but he glanced up as Sokka approached, wind catching and ruffling his hair. Sokka held up the water bottle triumphantly, and Zuko actually laughed and took his coffee. So where to now? he asked as they climbed back into the car. The actual rehearsal, I guess? Sokka replied, pointing him in the right direction. It was a short drive, and the parking lot of the community centre was only partially full. Zuko pulled into a space towards the front and turned off the car, looking aside at Sokka, who had slumped down in his chair. Um, Zuko said, shifting in his seat. Are we going in? Yeah, Sokka said, while making absolutely no effort to take off his seatbelt or open the door. He could feel Zuko looking at him, and he knew he was being dramatic and stupid again, but he still couldn't make himself move. This would be good, right? His sister, her fiancé, old friends from around town. So there might be staring or avoiding or gossip or awkward questions, but then it would be done, right? He wasn't actually back in high school, and he wasn't actually stuck here again. He was still an adult. He still fought hard for his freedom, and it was still there. Your family can't be that bad, Zuko said, breaking into his thoughts, and Sokka let himself look at him. Let's go meet your family first, and then circle back around to mine, he offered, hoping for some levity. But Zuko made a noise that was sort of like a bitter, somewhat strangled laugh. Well, there's my uncle, Zuko offered, but otherwise, you want to go visit my dad in prison? Or my sister still recovering from a mental breakdown? Or try to help me find my mum who left when I was ten? Fuck, dude, Sokka said, finally sitting up. Are you serious? Zuko chewed his lip and let it go. It's fine, he said shortly. This version of my family is actually better than it used to be, so... He shrugged and shook his head. But really... He reached out and clasped Sokka's shoulder. Your family's going to be fine. Sokka liked the hand on his shoulder, but couldn't chase away the explosion of thoughts at Zuko's confession. Are you, he asked, voice careful, actually okay? That's got a... that sort of family situation. Let's focus on one family's drama for the moment, Zuko said, smiling a little again and let his hand drop. So, come on, rip off the band-aid. Is that actually the best way to get off a band-aid? Because I've always wondered... You're not going to distract me into staying in this car with you, Zuko put in, undoing Sokka's seatbelt for him. Come on. Sokka took a deep breath. Fine, but you don't happen to have, like, really strong painkillers or sedatives on you, would you? Zuko snapped his fingers. Laughter at the corner of his mouth. Oh, darn. Left all my oxy and morphine in my other pants. Sokka smiled weakly. 
Well, damn. What good's dating an EMT, then? I'll get your blood pumping, Zuko offered Riley, and Sokka actually laughed, which was what finally made him able to get out of the car. The entrance to the community centre was already decorated with signs, and flowy blue and white tulle, and it was easy enough to follow the decorations towards the banquet hall. Just before they entered, Zuko caught Sokka's arm, stopping him, and extended a hand. Sokka stared at it for a second, confused. Oh my god, you are the worst actor, Zuko muttered. Work with me here. Sokka shot him a glare and finally put two and two together and accepted the offered grip. Zuko's hand was warm and slightly rough to the touch, and he squeezed their linked fingers once, which really was pleasant and anchoring. Right, see? Sokka couldn't regress into his scared high school self if a hot guy was openly holding his hand. Thanks again for this, Sokka whispered. Eh, what are downstairs neighbours for? Zuko replied, and Sokka chuckled. I mean, probably not this, but still, he replied, and then they stepped inside. Thankfully, the first person to see them was Katara, who was helping arrange some flowers on a table just inside the door, and her face lit up. Sokka! she yelled, charging at him and throwing her arms around his neck. Hey! You'd think you hadn't seen me in years, he protested, letting Zuko's hand go to hug back. We video-called last week. Not the same as seeing you for real, she said, still clinging on. So Sokka took the opportunity to swing her around once in the way that had made her squeal since they were kids. I wouldn't miss your wedding, Sokka replied, setting her back down. Have some faith in me. I have all the faith in you, she said with a beaming smile. You're just... Also an idiot. Sokka gasped and covered his heart with mock offence, and Katara laughed and finally looked past him to Zuko, who was still standing back by the doorway, looking stiff and vaguely uncomfortable. Oh, I'm sorry, she said immediately, approaching with a hand extended. You must be Zuko. And you must be Katara, Zuko replied, very formally, as he shook her hand. I'm glad you could come and keep track of my brother, Katara said with a conspiratorial grin, which Zuko returned carefully. Wait, who did Sokka bring? came the overly loud voice of their friend Toph, who immediately headed their way from the other side of the hall. She was dragging Katara's fiancé Aang, who'd meant to be assisting her, along for the ride. Between the hugging and squealing and now Toph rhino-plowing her way through the room with Aang in tow, Sokka had successfully drawn the attention of everyone here for the rehearsal. Every random great-aunt and distant cousin and whoever else in the clan could be there to help and observe and probably judge. Well, hello to you too, Toph, Sokka said when she got close, extending a hand to guide her over, choosing for the moment to ignore anyone but his friends and his sister. Toph made a point of reaching out to grab his arm, before then punching it, grinning widely in the way only she could. Hey, ow, what was that for? Sokka protested, rubbing his arm. Good to see you again, Snoozles, Toph announced. I thought this town had chased your queer ass away forever. Toph! Katara hissed at her. But Sokka just laughed as Toph cackled. It was Toph. 
if anyone could understand and tease him about being queer, it was her. Solidarity and all that. Ang took that moment to hug him and thank him for being there and ask him how he was, all in one breath. Sokka tried to answer, glad Ang was the same happy puppy of a person he'd been since they all met. It was easy for a moment, with all of them clustered around him like a happy wall, to forget the awkwardness, to pretend it was just this bubble of people who liked him. Even Zuko, who was still lingering just behind him and quietly observing. Don't be shy, Zuko, Katara said, waving him over with a friendly smile. You're part of this now too, and no one's gonna bite. Wait, who's Zuko? Toph asked, cocking her head as Zuko approached to stand beside and slightly behind Sokka. Sokka turned to look at him, shooting him another grateful smile, and something relaxed along Zuko's shoulders at that. Whether for Zuko or himself, Sokka reached for his hand again and squeezed it. He wasn't sure anymore who was more nervous, now that they were actually in the thick of it. Hey, everyone, Zuko said, voice coming out stiff and practised. Uh, Zuko here. Everyone was looking between him and Sokka with interest and confusion although Katara was smirking a little. Uh, Zuko is my... Sokka began, and then dropped his voice a bit so only those in the little ring of his friends could hear it. He's my boyfriend. Wait, Toph said, with no concern for volume. Did I just hear that Snoozle's here? Actually got himself a boyfriend? Someone tell me if he's hot! The word boyfriend was like a foghorn in the room and Sokka resisted the urge to slap himself in the forehead. More people were openly looking at them now, and the mutter of whispering had definitely increased. Lots of disapproving eyes and head shakes that would either lead to a lot of awkward conversations, or a lot of ignoring him. Well, Sokka said, glancing back at Zuko. How's that for ripping off the band-aid? Yeah, that'll probably do it, Zuko replied expression somewhere between a grimace and a smirk. Chapter 3 Summary The wedding rehearsal. Happening. The gang. Chaotic. Grand Grand. Got the spirit. Paku. Grade A homophobe. Trigger warning for mild homophobic rhetoric. Okay, but no one actually told me if he was hot or not, Toph demanded, absolutely unapologetic like the goblin she was. The first guy Sokka actually brings home better not be an uggo. Hey, Sokka protested, of course he's hot. Who do you think I am? Zuko cleared his throat as the others laughed, but Sokka just swept a hand at him. Come on, that can't be surprising, Sokka insisted. Have you seen yourself? Zuko opened and shut his mouth, obviously flustered. Hang on, Ang said, holding up a hand. Zuko, like Zuko from the balcony story, with the troublemaking cat. Yeah, I'd be that Zuko, Zuko said, sighing. But... You're dating the neighbour you harassed? Toph exclaimed. Wow, Sokka, you really must have game. I didn't harass him, Sokka grumbled. I mean, Zuko replied, grinning, you sort of did. 
I did not. I yelled at you once from your balcony, and just thought a lot of mean things about your cat, Sokka replied. Which for some reason just made everyone laugh at him. Is this modern dating now? Ang asked Toph, looking genuinely baffled. Asks the guy marrying his childhood sweetheart, Sokka said with an eye roll, which earned him a nudge from Katara. I still say, Zuko put in, narrowing his eyes at Sokka, it was not my cat's fault you were lonely and made it weird. Ooh, I like this one, Toph said, cackling again. Maybe I should start screaming at my neighbours too, and see what kind of sexy time shakes out. Please don't, Katara said immediately, rubbing her temples. Seriously, Toph, if I have to bail you out of jail again. Wait, what? Sokka said, as Toph gave them all one of her unrepentant smiles. How's a little blind girl end up in jail? Who are you calling a little blind girl, Snoozles? Toph said. Because I bet your boyfriend hasn't heard about the time you got drunk and took all your clothes off and... Okay, Ang said as Sokka sputtered and the others laughed. Let's maybe leave that story for the time being. There was more laughter, but then the officiant was calling everyone to come run through the ceremony. Sorry about them, Sokka said, waving dismissively as his friends headed towards the front. Zuko just grinned. I'm gonna hear that story sometime, he said, with a glint in his eye. And Sokka refused to acknowledge that comment at all. Sokka left him then, to go practice standing and walking, which seemed ridiculous. But at least Katara and Aang were already beaming at each other and getting misty-eyed, even practicing being married. Sokka still kept an eye on Zuko just in case. Obviously, just for the other man's safety, not for any other reason at all. Zuko had found a seat by himself off to the side, and he alternated between watching the rehearsal and doing something on his phone. At least people seemed to just be side-eyeing him, but leaving him be. However, the next time Sokka looked over, Zuko had been cornered by Sokka's grand-grand, who'd squished into a seat next to him and was leaning very much into his bubble. Mid-following directions and trying to pay attention to a minister, there was nothing Sokka could do for the moment. Of course, he did keep glancing their way repeatedly to be sure Zuko hadn't vanished in a puff of smoke, and a Zuko-shaped hole in the nearest wall. But nope, every time he looked, Zuko was still there engaging in stiff but polite conversation with the tiny matriarch of Sokka's family. Still, as soon as the rehearsal was done, Sokka made a beeline for that corner, brain frantically running through all the ways that Grand Grand could be scaring Zuko or Zuko could be digging them into a hole. Zuko glanced up at Sokka as he approached, shooting him a smile. Sokka dear, his grandma said before Zuko could speak. I didn't know you were bringing this charming young man with you. Zuko grunted a sort of laugh at that, neck pink again, and Sokka stammered. Um, yeah, Grand Grand, Sokka started, now completely on unclear footing. Did Grand Grand approve? Or was she just confused? Had Zuko said something to her? Did you know he works in an ambulance? Grand Grand said with a note of pride, and Sokka was startled into a laugh. I did, Grand Grand, Sokka replied, shooting Zuko a look, and he seemed to be suppressing his own laughter too. What a smart boy! And how sweet of him to come all this way for the wedding! Grand Grand continued fondly. I'm glad you found yourself a friend to bring along. 
Sokka and Zuko exchanged a look. Ah, Sokka ventured, reminding himself to rip off the band-aid. This was why he'd brought Zuko along. Come on, Sokka, just do it. He's actually my boyfriend, Grangran, Sokka said, keeping his voice controlled. So, um, he's more than a friend to me. Sokka shot a nervous look at Zuko, who nodded approvingly. Something so kind and supportive in his expression that Sokka sort of wanted to puke. Oh, Grangran said, looking between them with an odd expression on her face. Oh, I didn't realise. Damn. Now, here came the condemnation, the awkwardness, the disapproving looks. Yeah, I, uh, I thought everyone knew I liked men and women. I haven't been trying to hide it anymore, because it's who I am, Sokka said, throat tight. But he looked at Zuko again, who was still watching him with something akin to pride. So I hope you're not too... Well, he is very handsome, isn't he? Grand Grand said suddenly, smiling at Zuko, who startled. A handsome, successful, polite young man. She nodded to Sokka. Good for you, my dear. Sokka stared at her, brain doing that spinning cursor thing again. You, Sokka began, you're not upset? Well, I do wish you'd settle down, dear. Get some stability in your life, with someone to keep you on track, Grangran said, as if that answered anything. You... Did you know there's a male nurse at my facility with a husband? Grangran powered right along, oblivious to the head-empty plus cricket sounds of Sokka's brain. Such a lovely man. So polite, just like this one. She patted Zuko's hand where it rested on the table, making him jump. He showed me pictures of his husband. Such a lovely couple. And they've got two little adopted boys. Isn't that precious? She shot Sokka a look. And he's only a few years older than you, you know. Ah. Uh... Oh, but I've got to help get dinner started, Grand Grand said, shuffling to her feet. It was lovely talking to you, dear. You come sit by me again sometime, won't you? Zuko apparently recovered while Sokka's brain was restarting and installing updates, because he immediately agreed and thanked her for talking with him, voice going full professionalism again. And you, Grangran said, pointing to Sokka, you don't let this one get away. You're not getting any younger, and I want to see my grandkids happy and secure before I pass on. I, Sokka attempted, but that was all his mouth could muster in the face of that sort of declaration. Well, you two kids have fun, Grangran said, waving at them both before heading toward the kitchen. Sokka watched her go and then turned his head to stare at Zuko, who was watching him with a similar startled expression. So my grandma, he said, moving on autopilot to collapse into the chair she'd just vacated, doesn't care if I'm dating a man. He squeezed his eyes shut and opened them again. She just wants me to settle down. Zuko gave a light chuckle. Sounds like it. Like, Sokka continued, rubbing a hand over his face. Dick is fine, but be sure to lock that dick down. He cocked his head. Put a ring on that dick? There's no good way to say this. Zuko snorted. Well, definitely not the way you're saying it. And you, Sokka said, whirling on him. Did you seriously manage to charm my grand-gran? Zuko put up his hands at the accusing tone. What's that supposed to mean? 
Are you some sort of witch? Is it a DMT trick? Have you been hiding some suave dude under the prickly, glaring, mismatched flip-flops persona? Zuko rolled his eyes. Why I ever agreed to deal with someone? Sokka chuckled and shoved his arm. Seriously? Winning over Grand Grand is like winning the Nobel Peace Prize. It took Ang a year. Granted, he added, looking over at the young man hovering by his sister. That might have partially been the shaved head and tattoos, but still. He glanced back at Zuko. You're weirdly good at this. Maybe I'll make fake boyfriending a side hustle, Zuko muttered, grinning a little. Weird gig, but you do you, my dude, Sokka said, which made Zuko do that low, rumbling laugh that did something to Sokka's middle. Still, Zuko said, shrugging, I'm glad it worked out with your grandma. That's gotta take some pressure off, right? Yeah, but how? What did you do? Zuko chuckled. I guess I just grew up around all my uncle's old people friends rather than hanging out with people my own age. So, now you're a grandparent ninja? I guess. Sokka stared at him a moment before letting out a laugh. Okay, sometime we're going to unpack all the weird stuff you reference about your past. Zuko huffed, but before he could reply, another voice was there, cutting in with all the stern, traditional masculinity that could be mustered by the old man before them. Sokka, Paku hissed, crossing his arms over his chest. You are making a scene. Sokka looked up at the white-bearded man glaring down at him, and then looked around where they were sitting. It was basically only him and Zuko over here, who weren't even touching each other or sitting exceptionally close with everyone else off setting up for dinner on the other side of the room. From Paku's tone, though, you'd have thought they were going at it right there on the centrepieces. How? Sokka asked, looking back at his grand-grand's ex-husband, who for some reason insisted on still being part of the family and continuing to snoop his way through everyone's business. Paku scowled at him. Flaunting your... He gestured between the two men in front of him and finished distastefully. Lifestyle. Lifestyle, Sokka grunted, looking aside at Zuko, who raised his eyebrow. You're making yourself a spectacle at your own sister's wedding, Paku continued, and making everyone uncomfortable by bringing a man like that here. Zuko coloured beside him, something in him stiffening, and Sokka straightened from his relaxed position. Excuse me, he said. A man like what, exactly? Paku sniffed. You know what I mean. Obviously he's not from here. And someone like that would never be accepted in. No, I don't know what you mean, Sokka interrupted, voice rising a little, because Zuko is an incredible person, and I'm not going to sit here and let you say whatever passive-aggressive crap you're about to. Paku stiffened, glaring harder. That is no way to address your elders, he said shortly. I am trying to have a civil conversation about your appropriateness, and... <laughs> civil conversation, Sokka scoffed, rolling his eyes, and Paku's frown deepened. Young man, you... No, that's enough, Sokka barked, cutting him off. He'd never liked Paku, 
and the guy had made his snide remarks frequently enough. But Sokka had always just ducked and dodged previously, fleeing the conversation as quickly as possible. Apparently, not this time. Sokka had the realisation that he might actually be making a scene now, between his own raised voice and Paku's increasing agitation, but he couldn't find it in himself to care. Sokka, it's fine, Zuko said quietly. He must have also realised the possible scene-making. I can just step away for a little while if that would. You're not going anywhere, Sokka said, with a ferocity that surprised even himself, and he reached out and grabbed Zuko's hand again, holding their linked hands up for Paku to see. Paku flinched, nose wrinkling. Zuko has been welcomed here by Katara and Aang, Sokka said, glaring up at him and letting their hands lower again. And he's also now been welcomed by Gran Gran. So if you're such a crusty old douche that you're going to have a fit about it, then maybe you're the one who should leave. Paku glared, and suddenly looked around him as if waiting for people to rally up behind him. But no one was there. In fact, anyone who might have agreed with him was fixedly pretending the whole situation wasn't happening, and the others, namely Katara, who was already approaching with her hands on her hips, looked ready to throw hands with an old man. Sokka kept his back straight, eyes trained on Paku's face, and Zuko's hand firmly locked in his own. Finally, Paku frowned at him, lifted his chin, and turned his back. Sokka still didn't relax, though, until he'd gone and joined a table of similar, shriveled-up assholes who could then whisper amongst themselves and revel in their own bigotry. Katara glared at him as he passed and then shot a questioning glance at Sokka, who just nodded in response. Well, damn, Zuko said finally, and Sokka finally looked over. You okay? He asked immediately, because, ugh. Fuck his family, and fuck that they were the reason for the slightly pale colour of Zuko's face at the moment. Yeah, I'm fine, Zuko replied. Very gallant of you defending my honour, although you are sort of crushing my hand. Oh, sorry, Sokka said, dropping it immediately. Got caught up in the moment. I noticed, Zuko said, some of the colour returning to his face as he smiled looking like he was about to say more. Sokka waited, sitting back again. Crusty old douche, Zuko parroted. And Sokka did have to laugh a little at that. It felt right at the time. I mean, it does seem accurate. Oh, it is. I've just never had the balls to say it to his face before. Also, Zuko said, cocking an eyebrow. Was he trying to imply that I look like some sort of flaming gay or something? Sokka grunted. Probably. But again, he's a crusty douche. Sure, Zuko replied. And I don't think it actually had anything to do with you, Sokka finished. Though I'm still sorry. Zuko shrugged. I've been called a lot worse by people I know a lot better, so... Wait, what? Zuko waved a hand, brushing away whatever strange reference he'd just made. People are weird about bisexuality, but also... He smirked a little, in that teasing way that made Sokka's stomach turn over. I'm... incredible, huh? Ugh, 
don't start, Sokka said, elbowing him. But he still felt weirdly glad Zuko probably couldn't see him blushing. Chapter 4 Summary Katara knows what's up. The boys do not, but they're doing their best. The post-rehearsal dinner went smoothly overall, with Sokka and Zuko situated at a table with Sokka's friends and his dad, and essentially his surrogate uncle. His grand-grand did occasionally wander over to visit them and to make sure Zuko was eating enough. He's so skinny, Sokka! Are you feeding him well enough? Do I need to send you both home with some of my homemade jerky? Which led to more laughing and joking about their relationship. Sokka had only told Katara the truth about the whole fake dating thing, although she'd probably told Aang. Because his dad would have tried to talk him out of it, and Toph would have blurted it out immediately because she thought it was funny. Easier instead to play along, and Zuko actually seemed relatively comfortable with his friends and immediate family. Through the course of dinner, quite a few relatives did take it upon themselves to catch Sokka between plates of food and either 1. Remind him how long it had been since he'd been home 2. Tell him how happy they were for his little sister and just how impressive she was or 3. Comment on his chosen date to the wedding A lot of how surprising it was that he'd brought a man or ask how he was dealing with his choices or say how good it was that he didn't care what people were saying about him. A few made a point of avoiding him completely, while others asked him about his job and his life in the big city, and refused to mention Zuko's presence at all. Of course, all comments were said with a perfect balance of genuine interest and obvious judgement, the same level of disapproving glances and sickly sweet smiles. Zuko got some of it, those probing comments about who he was and how he knew Sokka and a lot of, oh, isn't that interesting? But he seemed to roll with it surprisingly well. Maybe it was the whole dealing with constant emergency situations for your literal job, or maybe he was just a more controlled person than Sokka. He was good at this sort of polite, diplomatic tone, like he was running for some sort of political office. Admittedly, plenty of people also just didn't talk to Zuko at all, and stared at him by not staring at him. But he seemed oddly unruffled. Uncomfortable, sure, but no more than he normally was by Sokka's shenanigans, even if those shenanigans involved a lot more nosy old people and Midwest passive aggression. Basically, it was exhausting, and Sokka was starting to wish he'd started drinking much earlier in the day. Zuko must have started noticing at some point in the night, because he leaned towards him while they were both at the table and whispered, Hey, you doing okay? Sokka looked aside at him and forced a smile. Yeah, of course. All good. Why? Well, you're not talking a mile a minute or picking a fight with me about something stupid, so I'm concerned. Luckily, he said it with a genuine smile and Sokka felt something in his chest ease. You want me to fight with you about something? he asked. I mean, if it'll stop you sulking, then yeah. I'm not sulking, Sokka protested. See, there you go. Feeling better? Zuko said, grinning. Sokka nudged him with a shoulder. Maybe, although I need a drink. Yeah, 
Me too, Zuko said standing. I'll grab us both one. Then he was heading off through the room, weaving through a crowd of people who mostly stayed away from him, and Katara was eyeing Sokka with some annoyingly knowing expression as she scooted over to sit beside him. What? Sokka grunted, narrowing his eyes at her. Fake boyfriend, huh? She muttered, and Sokka checked that the rest of the table seemed engaged in some conversation centering around Toph being Toph. We're friends, Sokka replied defensively. Yeah, pining friends, Katara replied, taking a sip of her drink. No one is pining. Sure you're not, she said. You totally look at all your friends like that. Like what exactly? And clearly, Katara continued, he'd come to anyone's family wedding just for fun. No interest there at all. Sokka shook his head. He doesn't... I'm sure he doesn't like me like that. He's just a nice guy. Uh-huh, Katara said with that annoying, smirking, know-it-all face again. He's a good actor, Sokka supplied, irritated that the end went up a bit like a question. Yeah, and you're just a dumbass, Katara mumbled, shaking her head. You know what? Just keep making goo-goo eyes at your fiancé and leave the rest of us alone, Sokka said. I will, Katara said, shooting an annoyingly lovey grin at Aang. Oh, also, she added, looking back at Sokka, looks like your not-yet-boyfriend's getting swarmed by a bunch of kids. Sokka rolled his eyes at her phrasing but did look over, and, sure enough, there was a small cluster of children all eight years old or under circled around Zuko over by the buffet table. Oh, good God, Sokka said, standing up, because he hadn't even considered what the kids might do when confronted with someone new. Sokka worked through the room and into hearing range, even as he still had to dodge people saying hello or trying to stop him to talk, which left Zuko at the mercy of the kids. Who even were these kids? Why did this town and Sokka's family just keep reproducing? Boys can be boyfriends with other boys? One kid was asking. Uh, yeah, they can, Zuko was replying, looking down at the circle of kids with some bewilderment. As long as both people are good to and care about. Is that a scar on your face? Another kid asked over his response, pointing at him. Oh, for fuck's sake. Sokka attempted to disengage from some great aunt twice removed, and get there, to shoo away some children. Yeah, it is, Zuko was saying voice carefully calm. How'd you get it? A different kid asked, squinting up at him. Oh, Zuko said, shifting his weight. I got hurt when I was younger. Does it still hurt? Another little girl asked. Uh, no, not anymore, Zuko replied stiffly, and Sokka just wanted to hug him. Can I touch it? A much louder kid was asking, and then thankfully Sokka was there, grabbing said child by the shoulder. Hey, do you think it's nice to ask to touch other people's faces, he said, staring down into the kid's eyes. The boy's face fell. No, I guess not. That's right, Sokka said, patting the boy on the shoulder and trying to remember his name. A cousin's kid? 
Who knew anymore? So, let's all be nice to each other and leave poor Zuko alone. Zuko seemed to be trying for a neutral expression, but his hands were tight at his sides. Are you guys going to get married? Another little girl asked, clearly missing the whole leaving alone concept. What? No, I don't know, Sokka sputtered. Where are all your parents? Most kids pointed off around the room at some adult or other, which really wasn't what Sokka had been concerned about. Okay, well, let's say thanks to Zuko for putting up with all of you, and let him go now, huh? Sokka asked. And the kids obliged in their high, happy voices, waving as Sokka tugged Zuko away. I'm so sorry about them, Sokka said immediately, already feeling like an apologising broken record. It's okay, Zuko replied, although he was still incredibly tense down his shoulders and arms. Kids don't mean anything by it. Something ticked in his jaw. Better than adults who just pretend not to stare when they really are. At least kids are honest about it. God, I'm sorry if my family's been, Sokka started. It's fine, Zuko said immediately, in the most surly, unconvincing voice ever. Sokka frowned, wanting to touch him, offer something reassuring, but he didn't know how. Do you want to talk? No, Zuko snapped, surprisingly sharp. Okay, Sokka said, putting up his hands in surrender. We don't have to talk about anything if you don't want to. Zuko shot him a look, guarded and wary and this was a new side of him that Sokka didn't like. And it was his fault for dragging him here and subjecting him to this all because Sokka was equal parts cowardly and impulsive. Come on, Sokka said, jerking his head towards the hallway again, and Zuko followed, begrudgingly. It was mostly dark in the hall, every few feet lit by emergency lights, but at least the noise from the other room was muffled now. Hey, Sokka said, and now he did reach out and touch Zuko's arm, just barely, before letting his hand drop. Zuko was still watching him with that strange expression, like he was ready to start fighting, or maybe expecting to start fighting. Yeah, if Sokka was going to be fighting anyone, it wasn't Zuko. If only he knew how to express that clearly to de-escalate the whole angry cornered cat energy Zuko was exuding. Should we head back to the hotel? Sokka asked, making his best attempt. I bet there's a movie channel we could find, and vending machines, full of snacks you could judge me for. Zuko's eyebrow rose a little, something loosening in his expression. You just leave? he asked. What about your family? Sokka waved dismissively off at the doors to the main room. Whatever. Fuck em, he said, and Zuko actually snorted at that. Your sister and friends are nice, he said, immediately, that diplomatic tone returning. And most people have been perfectly fine. Sokka scoffed. Fuck em. If you're done with this, let's go. I'm here for my sister and all the important stuff is done, so she'd totally understand it if we ducked out now, he said. And so would Ang and my dad and Bato. Toph would probably say something inappropriate and sexual, but she'd get it too. He shrugged. So, say the word and we're gone. 
Zuko was watching him like he wasn't entirely sure he was real. What? Sokka asked finally, uncomfortable. And Zuko shook his head and looked away. Nothing, he said. But really, I'm fine. It's fine. You sure? Because seriously, Sokka said, you've already done so much for me just being here and being a buffer against the bigotry. Nice. Thanks. So, seriously, we can go whenever. Zuko shook his head and then ran his hands backwards through his hair. No, I'm okay. I do like your friends. And I want you to have time with your sister. Guess I just got... He gestured something unclear. Annoyed with little kids for being awful gremlins? Sokka supplied, smiling. And Zuko finally smiled a little too. Nah, it's just... I guess family's kind of rough for me still, he admitted softly, looking away like the admission pained him. I thought I'd be fine because it's not my family, but... Another strange gesture, and Sokka chuckled. You're great at this whole talking thing, aren't you? Shut up, Zuko said. I'm great at talking about real, concrete stuff. Just not the mushy bullshit of existence? Sokka asked. Exactly, Zuko replied. Can you just give me a guy with a heart attack to deal with? I can do that. Make out with me in front of Paku, and we might be able to make that happen, Sokka said with a laugh, and then realised what he'd just said. Oh, um, shit, I mean, I'm not... I'm pretty sure I shouldn't be actively trying to give anyone a heart attack to avoid conversations, Zuko said, deftly stepping around Sokka's idiocy, although there was something in his expression that Sokka refused to name. Then Zuko reached out and ran a hand up and down the side of Sokka's arm, tentative and gentle. But thanks, he added, meeting his eyes again, for not forcing me to talk about it, and for... I don't know. Caring about you? Sokka's traitor mouth supplied before his brain could stop him. Wow, batting a thousand today, dumb Sokka brain. But Zuko just flushed a little. Yeah, that, I guess, he said. They lingered a moment, Zuko's hand still on Sokka's arm, both sort of looking and sort of not looking at each other, and Sokka did feel a bit like a dumb 16-year-old again, specifically one who found himself next to an attractive person. Except this was his neighbour, his friend, somebody he did, God save him, care about. And this weird tension between them, the way Sokka's heart was smacking against his ribs, was something else entirely. Shall we still get that drink? Sokka asked, because that seemed like a safe choice and his brain was backpedalling away from whatever this was. Sure, Zuko said, sounding a bit more like himself again, and he followed Sokka back into the main room. You want to tell me which drinks are abominations? Sokka offered, smiling, as they cut through the room toward the drink table. Thankfully, more people were clearing out as it got later, and the room was dwindling down to just the good parts of Sokka's family. Maybe, Zuko replied, just a corner of his lips lifting. Then educate me, Dr. Zuko, Sokka said, sweeping a hand over the table once they arrived. Still not a doctor, 
Zuko replied. And it felt like they'd returned to familiar footing. To a sort of game they both understood the rules to. Unlike whatever had happened in the hallway. Which was dangerous. Uncharted territory. Zuko then proceeded to go off about the horrors of liqueurs and Jägermeister and IPA beers in his goofy lecture tone. As he did so, Sokka nodded and laughed and argued because it made Zuko look like himself again. And Sokka just wanted to see him happy, even if it was in that huffy, eye-rolly, at-Sokka's-expense way. He wanted whatever haunted him, carefully folded away normally, to stay folded away. He wanted his Zuko back. Which... shit. He'd definitely let himself get too attached already. Sokka glanced over at where Katara was giggling and leaning on Aang, and then looked back at Zuko, jabbing his finger at some offending beverage, and then grinning in Sokka's direction. Damn it, Katara. Being all smart and perceptive. She might be... a little right about the pining. Which meant... Sokka was... Well and truly fucked. That was chapters 1 to 4 of The Wedding by On My Literature Bullshit again. Thanks so much to them for the building tension in this fic, I can promise it only gets better, and for letting me record it. If you enjoyed listening, Please tell me what you liked over in the comments on AO3, or come shout at me on Tumblr at MellowZukoDeer. You can also find On My Literature Bullshit Again there at On My Literature Bullshit Again. Thanks again, till the next one. <laughs>